It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in. I'm Damon Jensen Heitman. One of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings. That's it. That's the whole thing. That Wrap it up. It's all over. Put a bow on it. That was a good one. One of our best, probably. Let's stick a fork in us. We're done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a popular slogan on the seniors' t-shirts. When they were seniors in high school, they would get a senior t-shirt that listed their whole class. Yeah. And it would say, stick a fork in us, we're done. And I always thought, why would you encourage people to stick a fork in you? And you're saying that multiple classes of seniors in, in, a, in a row? In Flagstaff, Arizona, yes. So the juniors looked at the senior t-shirts. And said. And they said, we just want the same thing. Yep. We don't want to do our own thing. We don't want to display our own personality. Or we just want that. Yep. Okay. And then once they did it, then the sophomores just kind of assumed that's what the senior t-shirt is. And then it became a right? thing. Right, because they didn't know any better. Right. Hmm. And this is how traditions get started. This is how traditions get started indeed. <laughs> Which is a relevant point, both for a Bible study and for <laughs> church life, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody says, you know, I kind of liked uh, that thing that we did last year. And then somebody else says, oh yeah, that was kind of nice. Let's just do that again. It's like our blessing of the pet service. Like that's a standard tradition at this church now, even though it's only been going for six years. Mm -hmm. Although we are switching it up this year. Yeah. Because then, you know, it doesn't take long for that to have been, like that's been going on for almost the entirety of some of the lives of those who attend it. That's true. Right? Like our eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds who come to that. that's been going on for most of their lives, so they just assume that that's right. how it has always been. Well, it's kind of like the, the bagpipes, the Kirk and the Tartans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's a tradition. Well, yeah. it's it's not kind that of. old of a tradition. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. So, so the Monday check-in, traditionally, is um, <laughs> what we do is we talk a little bit of a preview of the upcoming worship service at First Press Hastings. We take a look at the scripture, we talk about the themes that we see in it, uh, we talk about the themes for the day that's coming up. We do a little mini Bible study, essentially, and then we switch gears and we talk a little bit about the life of the church at First Press Hastings, and we begin with prayer, and I think it's my turn. To begin with prayer. So let's do that. Loving and gracious God, as we gather together on this Monday to begin to study your word for your week, we ask that your holy wisdom and insight might be with us, that uh, we might come to these old words with fresh eyes and fresh ears and fresh hearts prepared to hear what you have for us. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was already on the I was already on the back page. Got ahead of myself. Flip it over, man. Mm-hmm. So this coming Sunday, we're going to be taking a look at a portion of the third chapter of the book of Exodus, and I will just dive in. 
How does that sound? Sure. All right, let's do it. Moses. You remember Moses, right? We preached about Moses uh, the last week of August and the first week of September uh, about him, his... He was there. Clever mom and sister Mm -hmm. hiding him in a basket of reeds in the Nile River Mm -hmm. and him getting rescued. Yeah, yeah. Um, Neither one of us really preached about him. No. But he was there. Right? Mm -hmm. I preached about Shipra and Pua. Yeah. And you preached a... No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you preached a bit about Moses' sister. Yep. And Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses' mother, by kind of by extension. Yeah. And so then Moses uh, grew up in Pharaoh's court uh, as the child of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh-huh. Um, and then had a little unfortunate incident where he saw yeah. injustice mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't happy about it. So he, he killed someone. Mm-hmm. Was it... Buries him in the sand. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was it someone who was beating a slave? Yes. As an Egyptian, I think it reads, uh, was beating one of Moses' people. Yeah. Or treating him unnecessarily harshly. Or I forget how that part is phrased. Yeah. Yeah. And Moses rushes out and kills that man, buries him in the sand, uh, and like looks around and kind of thinks, nobody saw me, right? And then the next day, two, he sees two Israelites having a fight with one another. And Moses goes and interrupts it. And he says, why are you fighting with one another? And then one of those Israelites says, oh, what are you going to do, kill me like you killed that Egyptian? Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so the word is out on Moses. And so then he flees. He flees. So Moses mm-hmm. goes from living in the lap of luxury, really, having yeah. grown up in Pharaoh's court, to fleeing. Um, and then he uh, falls in love, as as he's prone to do. I don't know. <laughs> we, we feel he did it at least once. So. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so now Moses is out living a sheep herding existence. Yes. He's helping his father-in-law Jethro yep. uh, herd sheep. And that's when we pick up this story. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. We just said that. The priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight. And see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, apparently in all capitals, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. Greg, what do you got? Uh, So this coming Sunday is uh, Hastings College Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is historically the Sunday that falls uh, during Hastings Homecoming Weekend, and we celebrate our partnership with the college. Uh, And this year, I thought it might be interesting to have an alum of the college who is a member of our church talk about their link between faith, their faith, the education they got at Hastings College, and their sense of, of vocation, their sense of call to worth and work mm-hmm. um, because this is a this is a call story yeah right mm-hmm. and so uh, that is what we're thinking about this week is a sense of call a sense of vocation God calling us out of one thing into another God calling us to fulfill God's plan for us and for the world, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's kind of wrapped up here in this text a bit. Mm-hmm. This phrase "to worth and work," where did that come from? It just popped in my head, but really? I think it's in a hymn. Hmm. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's in a hymn. Could be. It's not that guy. Who's that guy that we always quote when we're talking about vocation? Henry Nowlin. Is that? He's the wounded healer guy. Yeah, but he's, I'm pretty sure he's the one that talks about vocation as the the place where the world's greatest needs and our greatest passions overlap. Or is that? I don't know. I don't think it's Henry Nowlin. It's, um, Frederick. Buchner? Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, you're probably right. Vocation is... Oh, there we go. Is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Yeah. Frederick Buchner. Mm -hmm. Is it? Yeah, theologian Frederick Buchner defines vocation. The place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. 
That doesn't necessarily seem to be the case for Moses. I don't know that he doesn't know yet that it's going to be his deepest gladness to lead his people out of uh, enslavement in Egypt to the promised land in Israel, which he'll never actually get to. He won't get there. Uh, And And he deals with a lot of frustration along the way. A lot of grumbling. Which is maybe, I mean, maybe that would be interesting to think about also in terms of vocation, right? That's not just all daisies and sunflowers, right? That, no, uh, that there's there's work involved. Even when you feel really hyper confident that I am, I am doing the things, going about my life the way that God is asking me to to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still points in it, and maybe even especially then uh, points of frustration along the way, but. I mean, one of the things I always remember about Moses is when he um, accuses all the people of being stiff-necked. Yeah. <laughs> How does the stiff-necked people? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but he certainly, yes, this is Moses' call narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. The burning bush. And, 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 and the bush says, Moses, Moses, and he says, here I am. Mm-hmm. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, who we just talked about. Yeah, there's always this sort of appeal um, connecting to the kind of promises of old. Connecting to our past. Right. And specifically connecting to the promises God has made to God's people, to Israel. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and it's sort of God saying, you know, because part of this also is Moses asking for God's identity, Right. right. Um, and God's saying, I, I'm, hey man, I know who I am. <laughs> I'm the God that was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's, that's who I am. Uh, if that's not enough for you, then I don't, I don't know what else you really need. Right. Yeah. And Moses, Moses wants everybody's identity in this passage. Right, he wants God's, and he also wants his own. Right, he says, "Here I am." But then he also says, "Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Like, why pick me, God? Mm-hmm. I'm not." Um, is there? There's a moment later in here where Moses is it Moses who says that I'm that he's not equipped to lead large groups because he's not a good public speaker. Can't talk good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm never sure if you. Yeah. Even though he would have been <laughs> raised in in the Pharaoh's house, like he certainly would have been educated, right? You know, so. But even educate not not all people with access to education are necessarily good public speakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or he feels he's not um, relatable to. To the Israelite people for whatever reason or... Well, for the fact that he grew up in Pharaoh's household, that might, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he might recognize that he doesn't quite understand their context since mm-hmm. he grew up in the lap of luxury. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of straying from the idea of vocation, but I don't know, but maybe not. <laughs> There's There seems to be a few times in Moses's life where... Everybody else knows who he is, 
but he doesn't really, or he doesn't really trust it in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah. When they when they pick up his basket out of the water, everybody knows who he is. Pharaoh's daughter says, "This is one of the well, Israelites. One of those Hebrew children. Yeah, it's one of the Hebrew children." Um, you know, this I mean, interrupts the two Israelites who are fighting with one another. I mean, well, we know who you are. <laughs> Words out on you, so you better flee. You know, and, and here God, you know, you're the you're the one that I've picked. What, what do you mean? Who are you that you should go right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then it Moses keeps com- not complaining, objecting in some way, and then Aaron gets appointed. To speak for, for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you what to tell Aaron. And then Aaron will say it, right? I think part of that passage also, Moses makes some, like, that his tongue doesn't work properly or well. There's some sort of reference to his tongue specifically. Okay. Um, and so maybe... I think some thought, well, maybe he's got some sort of speech impediment or something. Hmm. But I think it's mostly the the idea that's mirrored in these questions. Who am I that I yeah. should go to Pharaoh? Mm-hmm. But God's response to that, his first first response is, I will be with you. And there's some assurance, reassurance, comfort in that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those favorite phrases that we repeat at least once a quarter, if not once a month here. This idea that God doesn't call the equipped, that God equips the called. So God is calling Moses. Moses thinks he doesn't have what it's going to take to do it. God says, trust me, I know what I'm doing here. I'll give you what you need to do this. You may not have it now, but you'll get it, right? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's your your phrase. I don't know if you came up with that from somewhere else. But. I heard it somewhere. I, I can't take credit for it. Um, but our uh, yeah, our 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 guest speaker. You wonder when they were an eighteen-year-old Hastings College student if they would have known at that time what they would go on to do if they would have said, that's nonsense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who at 18 would... I guess there are some. There are some. (laughs) Yeah. There are some who at 18 are very... have decided upon a particular path and envisioned um, all that it could hold, I suppose. But, yeah... Yeah, and I think that it's, I don't know if we're spoiling who it is or That's not. Fine. but um, <laughs> I think one of the reasons why their life and the lives of many people work so well with that Buchner quote, um, because that Buchner quote is very, it makes the idea of vocation very open-ended. Yeah. Um, or... Attainable, realizable, maybe. Yeah. Right. Um, and that vocation is not just for those who go into some sort of religious 
life, right? Whether that's right. preaching or teaching or praying or or what or serving, whatever the case may be, but that the the world and by extension your neighbors around you have a whole variety of needs mm-hmm. that can be met and need to be met by a whole variety of people. Right. And, and that if your vocation, if what you are doing is helping you to meet the needs of others, or that, what is it, the world's deepest, greatest hunger? Yeah. Then that's, then that's a calling from God, I suppose. Right. Right. And that's, I think that, you know, we have a pretty well-developed theology of vocation as, uh, as Presbyterians. Uh, the, the founder of, of Presbyterian and Reformed Faith, John Calvin, wrote about the idea of Christian vocation. And then other Reformed or Presbyterian theologians since then have written about it uh, up to and including Karl Barth, who wrote extensively about the idea of, of Christian vocation. And the, the point that each of them make is that we can live out our faith no matter what job we're doing to earn a paycheck yeah. uh, or volunteer service we do to fill our time. We can live out our faith. And uh, that is worthy Christian vocation. That is following the call of God on your life. And um, Bart, Carl Bart talked about, uh, you know, a garbage man can have an authentic sense of Christian vocation if they do their job with care and treat people with respect and they know that what they're doing is leading to a cleaner world and a world that's going to have less disease in it because they're taking care of getting rid of the things that could cause disease, you know. And uh, that is no less of a Christian vocation than a pastor. Yeah or a missionary doctor, or a pediatric dentist, or anything else, right? And so we all have the opportunity to live out our sense of Christian vocation. There's just, it's important that we're intentional about it. Yeah, I think that that intentionality word is a really important word in Mm -hmm. thinking about this, because you could, a person could have the title of pastor and not really do much of anything to live out their vocation. That is true. Right? I mean... Right. So it's... Um, so it's not just the job title, right? It's it's the way that a life is lived. That's perfectly said. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... Tied to our theology of Christian vocation is one of the core theological precepts of Presbyterian or Reformed theology, which is the sovereignty of God, right? If we firmly believe that God is is over, above, in, and through all things, then any career we do is one that God is present and can honor and glorify God if it fulfills this sense of Christian vocation, um, we're not limited to just serving the church to be a fulfilling of the, the call of Christian. We're serving humanity uh, with the love of God. We are fulfilling our call of Christian vocation. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's also really uh, closely connected. To, I don't know who came up with this either. The priesthood of all believers. 
Well, that was Paul. Was it Paul? Yeah. Okay. I'll give him a begrudging credit for that. Then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so that idea. Um, see, the priest is traditionally understood as the go-between. Right. Right. Between God and the people, the one who helps to connect people yep. to God. And and the assertion, which is very closely related to, I think, of this idea of, of vocation, mm-hmm. right? That all believers can be priests in in some sort of way, shape, or form. And if, if we just think of it as basic, the basic idea of helping to connect others to God, mm-hmm. then all believers living out their vocation function as priests. Right. Essentially. Right? So, okay. I'll give Paul a half a point for that. And we're intentional about that uh, even in our weekly bulletin. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the staff block of our weekly bulletin, if you ever... uh, Of course, those listening are never bored and never reading the bulletins during the sermon. But when you take your bulletin home and are reading it, and you get to the staff block that lists all of our staff, you'll notice at the very top of the bulletin, it says the head of the church is Jesus Christ, and the ministers of the church are all members of the church. And then we get down into the ones that have particular, or shall I say peculiar functions. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like pastor, associate pastor, organist, minister of music, etc., etc. Right? But uh, we're intentional about that. Uh, that's We do that on purpose. Uh to remind everyone that each of us are called to be ministers in our own right, living out our sense of Christian vocation, living out the priesthood of all believers. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever connected Christian vocation with the priesthood of all believers. I, I like that. God's sovereignty is always connected with the theology of Christian vocation, but I like that that additional touch. It makes sense. I just haven't mm-hmm. put two and two together because mm-hmm. I don't do math. <laughs> well, Why? Why would anybody? Not part of my Christian vocation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. Um, I, I and I'm also thinking about it being Hastings College Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you and I both went to um, ELCA undergraduate institutions. Yes, ELCA being the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, mm-hmm. which is kind of like. Uh, a, a sister denomination to us, mm-hmm. uh, yes. I don't know about your ELCA undergraduate institution, but when I went to mine, like vocation was was kind of all we talked about all the time. Like that was kind of in the background of every conversation. Uh, I went to, and this idea of you know whatever whatever course of study you are embarking on, whatever professional pathway you perhaps envision for yourself, all of these things can be vocational. Mm-hmm. Right? You, can, you can do all of these things and, and find meaning and purpose in them um, as well. That was, that was like the, at least the way that I remember it. I'm sure others had different experiences. <laughs> <laughs> but... That was kind of the background of, of every every conversation and of every class was this idea of how will you take the knowledge, the skills, the whatever it is that you are developing here 
and use them to serve others and yeah. not just yourself. Well, the, the motto of Pacific Lutheran University that I attended when I was there, their motto was very simple. It was educating for lives of service. Mm-hmm. And it was infused into every aspect of, of uh, the campus life at that point. Hastings College has a very similar approach. Um, and in fact, they ran a program called the Vocation and Values Program uh, for uh, many years, six or seven years, that uh, a lot of folks associated with the church were a part of. And uh, we're re-energizing that idea over mm-hmm. at Hastings College right now to really help students connect with uh, their sense of education and Christian vocation. Um, and so I think, I think it all ties together pretty nicely. And yeah, I think that is in general, kind of the, the foundational idea to most, most of these educational institutions that were started by religious orders, Mm -hmm. right? Of which Hastings college was certainly one. I think one of the founding ideas of almost all those institutions was we, we need to educate people so that they can serve others better <laughs> right uh, we need um you know, Wartburg started as a teacher's college mm-hmm. um, and so like, we need teachers and yep. so let's let's educate some teachers so but yeah so you think it'll preach i think it'll preach and i think that our guest uh preacher uh we're going to do kind of a dialogue sermon type thing uh at her request uh but i think she's gonna really help us sharpen the focus on this and connecting it to her faith, uh, her education at Hastings College and what she's currently doing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. So so we switch gears? Yeah, let's talk about what's happening in the life of our church. And so, uh, as we've already told you, we're doing Hastings College Sunday uh, this week. Uh, we will have our contemplative service in the chapel at 8.30. Uh, and then at 9.15, we've got Sunday School for All Ages, including an adult ed forum taught by the president of Hastings College, Dr. Rich Lloyd. Uh, He's going to talk a little bit about the history of the college and the church and then probably also share a little bit about what's happening um, at the college now and Mm -hmm. bring some updates and whatnot. Uh, And then at 1030, we have our traditional service, uh, Hastings College Sunday, so the choir will be accompanying us. Dr. Rich Lloyd will serve as a liturgist. And and then we're doing this dialogue sermon with an alum of Hastings College who's a member of the church, which should be delightful. and it's a communion Sunday as well. It happens to be World Communion Sunday. So mm-hmm. we'll probably mm-hmm. connect some of the communion liturgy to our, our global connections and our sisters and brothers. And so that's, uh, that's an exciting Sunday. But I jumped ahead, didn't I? I mean, I mean, if, if time is linear, then yes. So we'll back up to this Wednesday. Uh, we have, of course, restarted our Wednesday Night Live programming. But we're doing something a little different and a little special this week. Uh, from five to six, we'll be serving dinner at the church. It is free. It's open to anyone who wants to come, including children and their families. And bring your pets, because at six o'clock, we're going to do a blessing of the pet service uh, from six to 630. Uh, and we hope you can join us for that. And then afterwards, uh, we'll do Bible study with the kiddos, and we'll do youth group with the uh, youth. Yep. Uh, so that's what Wednesday looks like. And of course, choir practice will be at 6.30 and bell practice will be at 7.15 for adults. So it's it's an exciting Wednesday. You don't want to miss this. This blessing the pet service stuff is great. Damon brings out his guitar. He sings, all God critters got a place in the choir. I walk around. 
and I pray a prayer of blessing over each animal and their family. And you get a little dog tag that says I was blessed at First Presbyterian Church. And it's awesome. So hope you can be there for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be good. So that's Wednesday. We've already covered Sunday. And then the following week, it just gets even more interesting. Am I right? Well, well, even I don't. It remains interesting. Remains interesting. That's true. Depends on your your interest. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't know about relative interest scales. Fair enough. But uh, so, uh, but the, I think it'll be interesting. The weekend I'm of October sixth, seventh, and eighth, we've got some really cool stuff happening. Uh, we have a professional jazz ensemble coming out here called the Theodicy Jazz Collective that was uh, started in part by a child of this church, Ann Phelps. Uh, so Ann's coming out here with some of her professional jazz musician friends. They're going to do a workshop at Hastings College on Thursday. They're going to do a workshop in Hastings Public Schools on Friday. And then Friday night, we've rented the Lark. And the Hastings College vocal jazz students and these professional jazz musicians are going to do like an improv concert at the Lark. So it's free jazz music at the Lark on Friday. That's awesome. And Saturday, this professional jazz combo is going to set up in our sanctuary. And our chancel choir and the Hastings College Choir are going to back them up. And we're going to have a jazz concert here in the sanctuary on Saturday, October 7th at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, we're going to have a full jazz service for our traditional 1030 service. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to hear from Ann Phelps, who, like I said, is a child of this church, went to Yale Divinity School and uh, studied sacred music there. And now works in the spiritual uh, chaplain's department at Wake Forest College. Mm-hmm. Probably Wake Forest University. Probably. Big school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Anne's coming back. Jazz. And so will be the jazz combo. It'll be our chancel choir. It's going to be awesome. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's October 6th, 7th, and 8th. Mm-hmm. And there are some other sorts of... Um Odds and ends things off farther in the distance. Um, once we get a couple more weeks, and we'll be almost to Advent, to be quite honest. So we'll do an All Saints. It's not necessarily related to Advent, but we'll do an All Saints Sunday in November, November 12th. And then we've got a couple of Advent activities lined up and ready to go as well. So but we can share more information about those when we get... Closer. Stay to tuned. Those dates. So, uh, any other capital campaign updates or? Uh, we're cruising forward on that. We'll be publishing some uh, meetings that people can attend if they want to learn more about it, and then pledge cards will go out in mid-October. And so we're going to continue to preview different aspects of the capital campaign each Sunday in worship, and uh, hope people are getting excited about it. Mm-hmm. So. All right, well, let's uh, have a closing prayer. All right, let's, uh, it's my turn, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you opened us. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for this ancient story of Moses and him learning about his sense of call, which is going to shape his identity, who he is, and what he becomes. We ask that this call story of Moses would inspire us to seek what you might be calling us to do and how you might be shaping our identity and who you might be calling us to become. Bless and guide our study of this scripture, both this week and on Sunday. Bless and guide the preparations going into Hastings College Sunday that it may be a joyful celebration of a collaborative partnership 
between this church and the college. And bless and guide those who are listening. God, be with them and uh, remind them that they are, they're yours. You have placed a call in their lives and they're, they're to call, they're to spend their life seeking to follow that call. It's in Jesus' holy and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, then with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.